Good evening. I uh, was uh, working on a room downstairs today and I was uh, vacuuming up ladybugs out of the floor and hurt my lower back and I was trying to think of a better, more manly story to tell than vacuuming up ladybugs and hurting your back, but uh, it'd be a lie if I did that, so... um, but anyway, it actually feels better to stand up, Jim, than sit down. Uh, so, uh, we, We're continuing our prayer, our, our lessons on prayer this evening. And uh, we've already covered several different things, kind of an introduction to prayer, talking about uh, the acrostic uh, acts, uh, that there are certain elements that we have to have in our prayers, and that is of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And so we've kind of built on that for the last, uh, this now makes the third week that we've uh, concentrated on prayer. And certainly there's a a whole lot of other things that we need to consider when talking about prayer and the importance of prayer in the life of the Christian. Certainly it's something that uh, we should uh, grow with uh, each day of our Christian life and encourage others to do as well. Uh, We talked about it being a proper example to to others and... um, Last week we talked a little bit about for whom prayer is not a privilege and tonight hopefully we're going to get to the point to where we're talking about prayer and who it is a privilege to pray. And so continuing what we were talking about last week for whom prayer is not a privilege uh, just to give a brief synopsis of the things that we've covered and continue in that uh, want to uh, briefly give you some of those things that we discussed last week. And that is those um, for whom prayer is not a privilege are those who will not heed to God's word. In other words, those who want to do it their own way. A great um, picture that Jim showed during his lesson on Sunday, a Bible with the pages uh, with the scriptures cut out of it or some of them marked completely through. Uh, I remember my brother-in-law was having a discussion with with his dad uh, one time, and uh, he said, well, that scripture ought not even be in there. You ought to rip that out. Well, that's pretty, that's a lot of audacity to say that something that is in scripture, something that is part of God's word, that that ought to be ripped out. I mean, that's, that's a lot of audacity to say that that, that particular scripture, what, whichever one it was, um, needs to be ripped out. And unfortunately, we have even sometimes us as Christians feel like that that portion of Scripture just doesn't apply to me. And that's a sad thing because all, all Scriptures was given by, by inspiration of God for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. For what? That we can be in the proper standing with God, that one day we might receive that home in heaven. Certainly us um, editing the Bible, if you will, and taking portions out that we don't want to that we don't want to obey by, or we feel like that we could do better than than God is a very bad thing, isn't it? So those whom prayer is not a privilege are those who don't heed the word of God. Um, secondly, those whose sins separate them from God. You know, certainly it's a sin by taking away or adding to the, word, the Scripture, just like we talked about, but also uh, taking, uh, also our sins separating us from God by our actions. 
Obviously, our actions in everyday life, how we deal with other people, how we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, whether or not we do, do that lovingly or unlovingly, those types of things, uh, just a few examples, can separate us from the love of God and those things that God would have us uh, to do. Thirdly, we talked about those who fail to treat others justly. And we talked about our brothers and sisters in Christ there, uh, noted in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, who fail to treat their wives as they should, who fail to make things right with those that they've offended by when they are uh, there uh, petitioning God and making their uh, prayers be known to God. If you, if you remember that you have something against a brother or sister or they have something against you to stop that, and go to that brother or sister and make those things right. Do, uh, let me ask you a question. Is there anybody in here who always gets along with their biological family members? Always, 100% of the time. Is there anybody in here who always gets along with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Not 100% of the time, do we? We're going to have differences because we're people. It's what makes life interesting sometimes, right? But... If we have a similar love for God's Word and a similar love for doing what God wants us to do in our lives and all with the same goal of trying to make it to heaven one day, we're going to love each other a whole lot more, aren't we? And sometimes we're going to overlook things that people say or people do that are brothers and sisters in Christ and we're going to encourage them and allow their actions to encourage us. And so we, gotta, we have to remember to do that. So we have to deal justly with others. Tonight, we want to talk about also for whom prayer is not a privilege, and that is those who pray without faith. Those who pray without faith. Let's look at a, a few scriptures uh, this evening to, to illustrate that. Uh, turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Now, this is talking about faith here, but we're going to make an application to prayer as well because that's what our our subject is. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. How does, how does he speak to us today? How does God speak to us today? Through his word. So, so if God speaks to us through his word, then the examples that went on before us show those people had faith. They had faith to do things. Uh, think about Abraham and Isaac going up to make that sacrifice and Isaac saying, where's the sacrifice? It's all right. God's got it taken care of. And he got up there, and his son was the sacrifice. That's faith. That's faith in action, isn't it? And a wonderful example for us today, and looking back at God's word to see examples of faith. Because he knew that God was going to provide. When we pray for something, we should expect an answer from God. Is it always going to be the answer that we want? No. It's not going to be necessarily the answer that we want. But we pray in faith knowing that God's able to do it. Now God knows better than us, so he's not always going to answer it the way we want it to be answered. 
So very important that we show our faith by our actions as well. Um, Asking with doubt in our hearts ensures failure. Turn, if you will, uh, back uh, to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. We're going to read 5 through 8. So if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Look again at verse. um, Look again at verse uh, six. But let him ask in faith. What does that word faith mean? What What does faith mean? Belief. Okay. Anybody else have a? Another explanation or uh, understanding of faith other than belief? Confidence. Certainly faith is confidence in God. Trust. See, it's more than just belief, isn't it? It's trust, it's confidence, it's belief in God that God can do and will do the things that He says He will. Do we have faith to know that God is going to give us A home in heaven one day. Have any of you ever seen heaven? I haven't. But we have faith to know that God has said that it's going to be so and one day we're going to receive it. We have faith to know that one day we're going to be in heaven with God eternally. Preston? Without doubting, yes. That's right. And God knows when you pray that prayer and you're doubting, well, I, I'm praying this prayer, I'm just going through the motions, God, but you're not really going to deliver on this, are you? You know, we kind of limit God and put Him in a box sometimes, don't we? And so, uh, without doubting, faith is, is confidence, as Jerry said. It's trust, it's belief in God that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Tommy? Definition of the word, it would be uh, belief and trust. That's like we do a lot of things every day and we trust the things that we're involved in or have to deal with and don't even think about it. When we go over the bridge, you know, uh, across the Tennessee, how often do we think about the bridge falling? We don't. We just go because we trust it. And if we could learn how to trust God that way, I, I think we would get a lot further uh, in having our prayers answered because we have to have faith. But oftentimes we say, well, I sure hope God will answer my prayer. 
I'm not sure, but I sure hope so. So if we could learn how to transfer that kind of trust in the secular world to trust in God when we uh, have situations, I, you know, I think we would come away with a, a lot better situation. That's right. Uh, when I first started flying on a regular basis, um, somebody said, were, were you scared? And yes, I was. <laughs> and sometimes I still am. But, but I still pray in faith that God's going to keep me safe. And, and unless some man does something that, uh, that isn't right in keeping my aircraft going like it should be, then God's going to keep me safe. And, and, we, and we pray for that, and we do it by faith. And, uh, you know, does God always keep us safe? So far. So far. It, it, right? You know, for the most part, as far <laughs> as what we would, we would have to define that in our own lives. That's but, right. But faith, lack of faith brings fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to drive a truck, and I'd you know, go all over the southeast. And I happened to be on a back road one time, and I came across this small bridge, and I wasn't sure if that bridge was going to hold my truck up. So I decided I was going to do it anyway, but I was scared going over the bridge right. because I did not have the faith. Now, I don't, I don't have that problem when I go across the old Jotty Bridge. Right. You know, so it... it tends to to take on a different meaning when you have faith it will dispel fear that's right well did i see another hand i i don't want to overlook anybody if they wanted to say something else okay so we pray with faith and those who pray without faith it's not a privilege for them to so if if we doubt god's existence and his ability to provide why should god answer us in the way that we see fit for him to answer us why should he uh we don't we don't have the faith that to believe that he is and that he had the ability to do the things that the scripture says he does uh that's just like when we talk about uh creation versus uh versus evolution and limiting god to not having the capability or the power to be able to create the earth in six days and on the seventh day rest why why do we limit god like that God has the power to speak and something so. And so uh, we, need, we need to look to Scripture for, for answers such as things like that. Now let's look at some of the reasons to whom prayer is a privilege. The Christian with Jesus as their high priest. Notice, if you will, back to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for our sins, for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has offered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Do we ever look to God and do we ever look to uh, Christ for the strength that we need in times of temptation? We should, shouldn't we? Because certainly he can provide... uh, strength and guidance in those times of temptation 
And uh, if we look for the way of escape, there's one there provided for us. Sometimes we don't look for it, though, do we? God provides a way of escape, doesn't he? Sometimes we're not looking for it. We must submit to his righteousness, the righteousness of God. Making it possible to approach God's throne boldly, like we've noted in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and able to save the uttermost since he ever lives to intercede. Notice, if you will, also in the book of Hebrews there, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Notice him there is capitalized. That's in reference to God, uh, to Christ, right? Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Who makes intercession for us to God? Christ. Who is our mediator, our high priest and advocate before God? Christ. Whom do we approach God through the avenue of prayer? By whose authority? Christ. So is our relationship with Christ important? Certainly it is. Jesus has now become our advocate and mediator. Have you ever had an advocate? Maybe somebody on your job that you felt like was an advocate for you or, or maybe even in life that was your advocate. Somebody that encouraged you. Somebody that gave you the pat on the back that you needed every once in a while. And maybe when you were down, gave you encouragement that you needed. Have you ever had an advocate? Well, Christ is our advocate, our mediator, our high priest. All of those things He is to us. And in our encourager. Uh, we have an education coordinator at, at uh, work. His name's Johnny Cowart. He's a wonderful man. He... Uh, is our advocate. He is always making sure that we get the education that we need, the opportunities to learn that we need. If we have any questions or we just need a sounding board, he's always there to, to be our advocate, to be our encourager. And we as Christians have a whole lot better advocate than that and mediator than that before between us and God, and that is Jesus Christ. And he is definitely our advocate. Our advocate with the Father, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 notes there Jesus being our advocate with the Father. The one mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Who makes intercession for us at the right hand of the Father, Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. So look at all the many blessings that the Christian has, those who have put on Christ in baptism and become children of God through faith has in Jesus Christ. Yes, David. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I, w I covered last week about whom prayer was not a privilege. And so this is the first time we've covered uh, prayer being a privilege. I don't believe I don't believe that I did. Oh yeah, well we did cover a little bit of of James five, 
uh, last week. But you're right, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Mm -hmm. Right? See, I've slept since last week, David. Some. I said I've slept since last week, some. So I, I forget what I've covered and what I haven't. We did talk about uh, James 5.16. Indeed, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, can accomplish much. We talked about the New American Standard Bible uh, talks about has great power, the Amer uh, English Standard Version, and is powerful and effective as the New International Version so interprets that, uh, that scripture. So, yes, we did cover that, but thank you for bringing that up again because it's certainly something that we need to... Um, to be reminded of. Um, so look, if you will, at Galatians chapter 3 for just a moment. Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 26. And, and you, you can probably quote this, but, but we're going to look at it. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now we also made mention of putting on Christ and being buried in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. And we always have to go to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, to talk about the burial that we have in baptism. And so by faith we did those things. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We hear the word of God to produce a belief that Jesus Christ is the son of God. We confess that with the mouth. We repent of our sins, stop sinning on purpose, having that change of mind. And we're buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life, a burial, complete burial, raised to walk in newness of life. And then we, through our faith, being faithful unto death to receive the crown of life. We remain faithful to God and faithful to the teachings that Christ provided for us. The ears of the Lord are open to the prayer of the righteous. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. We must submit to the righteousness of God offering in Christ. Romans chapter 10 verses 1 through 4. And we must respond to the gospel of Christ. Notice, if you will, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. One of the very first sermons I ever did was on Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. And, it all, and most of the sermon had to do with one word, power. Where we get the, from the Greek word dynamite, we get our English word dunamis is power there in uh, Romans chapter 1 uh, verse 16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, everyone that has faith for the Jew first and also for the Greek for it in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The power 
of God's Word can be seen in Scripture and encourage us. If we desire the privilege of prayer, when we must be, then we must be either a faithful child of God through obedience to Jesus Christ or a sinner with a good and noble heart seeking the truth and righteousness. And we as the Christian are also the sinner, aren't we? Now it'd be wonderful as once you become a Christian you never sin again, right? Thankfully though, we admit that we're still sinners, but we want to strive to be in the proper relationship with God. And so we do that through our life as a Christian. The sinner is hungering and thirsting for righteousness with, will be filled through the Word of God, through their study of the Word of God, and understanding those things that's going to bring them into the proper relationship with God. So we talked about the principles of prayer. We talked about the privilege of prayer. And we're going to continue to talk now about some of the other principles of prayer that are necessary in the life of the Christian. We must pray in faith, just like we've talked about uh, this evening. Prayer requires faith. And all things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22. Otherwise, prayer will not be answered. Notice, if you will, again, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to you. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Our faith in God that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. When we pray in faith, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, who diligently strive to be like Christ, who diligently strive to make their life right before God, even in times of trial and tribulation. We must pray with humility. Is it always easy to be humble? No, but certainly before God we need to be. A virtue highly valued by God. If we look back in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah chapter 57 in verse uh, 15 and chapter 66 verses 1 and 2, we see the value of humility there. The Lord is near and save those with contrite spirits, as Psalms chapter 34 and verse 18 says. And he gives grace to those who are haughty and better than everyone else. That's not what the scripture says, is it? He gives grace to the humble. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. As we humbly bow before the throne of grace and mercy. Think about God being there on a throne, a mighty throne, and going before Him and being in awe of who He is and the power that He has 
and bowing before Him and letting our petitions be known to the only true and living God. That is the attitude that we should have in our prayer. Yes, we should be able to talk to Him as though though we talk to one another, but certainly with reverence and humility and faith, knowing that He is able and capable of answering our prayers. Humility and prayer is exemplified in the Scripture. Notice, if you will, Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. Tommy, do you still have that microphone? Can you read for me for a second? Get my... Luke 18, beginning in verse 9 through verse 14. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, Rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You think that Pharisee was humble? God, look at me. I give like I'm supposed to give. I, I do all these things that I'm supposed to do. I'm not like those adulterers. I'm not like that tax collector. Look at me. You owe me something. That's kind of the attitude that he had, isn't it? Should we ever approach God through the avenue of prayer by thinking that God owes us something? What is grace? What's the definition of grace? Unmerited favor. Did I do anything? Did I make any kind of sacrifice in my life or any of us make any kind of sacrifice that was able to pay the payment for God sending His Son to die on the cross? No. It's unmerited favor. God provides that to us. Grace, then, is part of humility, isn't it? In knowing that God has unmeritedly given us the blessings that come through the blood of Jesus Christ we humbly go before God in asking for forgiveness and making our petitions and our pleas and our thanksgivings and supplications known to God. Because He doesn't owe us anything, does He? Other than the fact that He's put certain things that He owes us into play. He's the one who gave us those things. He's the one who promised those things and He's the one that will deliver those things that have been promised to us. Humility leads to exaltation by God and us holding God in high esteem. We must pray in harmony with God's will. 
God's will and our prayers. Prayers are answered favorably if we ask according to His will. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. And prayers are more concerned with our will than God's are turned down. Notice, if you will, James chapter 4 and verse 3. James chapter 4 and verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss and you may spend it on your pleasures. We ask amiss. We're not always deserving of the things that God blesses us with. Uh, Hopefully we continue to pray with humility and pray our prayers that it be God's will that things be done. His will will be done. So Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. If it your will, let this cup pass from me. So he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. And such praying made easier when our will is to do the, the will of God. If we pray with the proper attitude, with the proper humility, and knowing that God has the power to answer our prayers, and we pray that it's God's will that such and such be done, then certainly God is there to hear us and to answer us. Some of the things that we want to talk about uh, next week is that of uh, the posture of prayer. Tell you a little, little story uh, real quick. I actually didn't know that Tyler would even knew how to do this, but the other day um, I came home from work and I had worked night shift, and so I was going to bed. And we have a little routine. We put the kids to bed and we say their prayers and we sing to them. And so it was time to put Daddy to bed. So they came in there and they said my prayers, and I have to look over at Tyler because he's sitting on the bed and he's bowing his head. So he had the proper prayer the proper posture in prayer. You know, why do we bow our head? Well, hopefully because we're thinking about the fact that we're praying to the Almighty God. Why do we keep our eyes shut so we don't see everything else around us and we're keeping our mind on the one thing that's most important at that moment and that is our prayers and petitions being known to the true and living God. And we're praying because we're humble before God. And certainly, our posture in prayer is important. Are there any others who would like to make any comments about what the things that we've covered uh, thus far tonight? Tommy, I believe you have our closing prayer. Thank you for your attention and comments.